every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning and a warm welcome to my podcast, Money Talk, for Monday the 5th of June. We're currently ranked number eight on Apple Podcasts among all finance and investment podcasts in Hong Kong. So thank you very much for listening to the original Money Talk. We're also available on Google Podcasts and Spotify. And this podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, President Joe Biden signed into law over the weekend the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023, ending a weeks-long political standoff over the debt ceiling with just stays to spare before a potential unprecedented default on US debt. US jobs growth was almost twice as strong as forecast in May, and the prior two months' payrolls were revised up by nearly 100,000, complicating the Fed's next decision on rates. The US economy added 339,000 new non-farm jobs last month, exceeding the revised 294,000 increase in April and above economists' forecast for 195,000. It marked the 29th straight month of positive job growth. China is reportedly working on a new package of measures to support the property market after Beijing's comprehensive 16-point plan from November failed to sustain a rebound in the ailing sector. Regulators are considering reducing the down payment in some non-core neighbourhoods of major cities, lowering agent commissions on transactions and further relaxing restrictions for residential purchases. The influential group of oil-producing nations known as OPEC Plus made no changes to its planned oil production cuts for this year at its meeting in Vienna on Sunday, but Saudi Arabia announced further voluntary declines of 1 million barrels per day, which on top of existing cuts will last until the end of 2024. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director at Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and David Friedland, Managing Director of Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. And if you want to get in touch, please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. US stocks surged on Friday as traders cheered a strong jobs report and the passage of a debt ceiling bill that averts the US default, putting them on the verge of a new bull market. An advance of almost 1.5% for the S&P 500 to 4,282 extended the benchmark surge from its October low to nearly 20%. The Dow jumped 701 points, or 2.1%, to end at 33,763 in its best days since January. The Nasdaq Composite advanced 1.1% to 13,241, reaching its highest level since April 2022 during the session. The Nasdaq notched its sixth straight week of gains. That's a streak not seen for the technology-heavy index since 2020. And with Friday's advances, the S&P 500 and Nasdaq finished the holiday shortened trading week 1.8% and 2% higher, respectively. Hong Kong equities surged in their best day since early March, boosted by internet stocks. Investors snapped up shares on hopes that a protracted sell-off for China stocks was overdone. The Hang Seng Index jumped 733 points, or 4%, to 18,950. The rebound followed weeks of selling that pushed the benchmark 20% lower from its January peak and into a bear market. The internet, consumer and real estate sector steered the index's gains. Investment holding company Longfor soared over 17% and automotive company Zhongzheng Group surged 11%. 
Sportswear company Li Ning added over 11%. The Hang Seng Tech Index jumped 5.3%. Tencent and Alibaba closed 6% and 6.7% higher in Hong Kong, respectively. And futures markets suggesting the rebound will continue this morning, with the Hang Seng rising around 160 points, or 0.9% at the open. And oil prices have surged out of the gate in early Asian trading this morning, following the surprise... <clears throat> One million barrels a day production cuts by Saudi Arabia. Brent crude oil is currently up around 2.5% at $78.03 a barrel. And you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Let's welcome our guests. We have with us Alex Wong, who is Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Morning, Alex. Good morning. And also joining us this morning, David Friedland, who is Managing Director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. Welcome, David. Good morning. US jobs growth was almost twice as strong as forecast in May, and the prior two months' payrolls were revised up by nearly 100,000. The US economy added 339,000 new non-farm jobs last month exceeding the revised 294,000 increase in April and above economists' forecast for 195,000 in an unexpected sign of the resilience of the US economy ahead of the Fed's next rate-setting meeting, which is on the 14th of June. It marked the 29th straight month of positive job growth and the increases were widespread with notable upticks in professional and business services, government and health care, according to the figures published by the Bureau of Labour Statistics last Friday. Um, Alex, this is almost double what, um, what economists were forecasting, well above the highest forecast. The Fed had been hoping um, to see its interest rate rises cause the economy to slow more and that was supposed to curb wage and price increases. So where does this jobs report... Uh, reports fit in with that that hope, if you like, of the Fed? I think uh, this means uh, the, the US economy actually is much more resilient than uh, we expected. And uh, this is uh, really surprising given uh, we had a banking crisis in the US and SME actually would be difficult to get uh, funding that easily, um, uh, that easily that, uh, uh, as compared to the past. So I think uh, this is a, a bit surprising and, and that makes uh, the Fed actually um, a bit probably tilted towards uh, holding uh, a, a tighter positions. Mm. I mean, it's it's odd, isn't it? This just doesn't seem to be any sign of a recession on the, the horizon, even though that's what people are predicting. It just doesn't seem to be coming at the moment. Yeah, right. And and the, and then the only only thing I think uh, is uh, is good is that uh, we have a uh, pause in the commodity price, uh, in prices, uh, especially in the um, agricultural products. So that probably is the is is the is is, uh, is the price spot. Mm. David, what, what do you make of this? I mean, why why is it that these rate hikes that we've had for, what, over a year now just don't seem to be calling the jobs market? There just seems to be, um, you know, a, a surge of, of availability of jobs. I think it's just a really strong economy and a lot of demand in the tech sector and elsewhere. But th- there, is a, there is a glimmer of hope where um, the unemployment rate actually ticked up, even though there'd be a huge um, surge in, in, in jobs, the... the um, there's more unemployment, which part of that is I, I've been reading there's a bit of lost product productivity. Productivity is way down. I guess that's because from the work from home um, mm-hmm. change in the whole lifestyle of uh, how the working force is, is going about. But with that ticking down, there's a path, you know, the indication I think is about a 64% chance of an interest rate or a pause for maybe a month or one more tick up. But I think we're towards the end of the cycle. And 
the um, it, it's not as I don't I don't think it's as tight as, as um, well the numbers indicate it may be not, not as tight as, as um, they are at first blush mm. and uh, suppose one positive was average hourly earnings it, it looks like that's sort of trending downwards doesn't it which presumably the Fed is going to be pleased about yeah and I think. I mean, it's also possible that you had a lot of people leave the workforce thinking they don't have to work again. But now with prices coming up and, and, and maybe they wake up and say, well, I have to start working. So maybe that's where some of this, the ticking the unemployment rate is coming up and people looking for different types of jobs, realizing they, can, they can't be as selective that they have mm. been in the past. Mm-hmm. There's this rule known as Psalm's rule, named after Claudia Psalm. She was a former Fed board economist. And her rule says that if the unemployment rate increases by half a percentage point within a 12-month period, uh, that's supposed to be an infallible recession signal. Well, we're there. Um, it, it has done that. Do, do you think a recession is, is on the horizon? Um, I think somehow we're, we're, we're just avoiding it. Every time you turn around, the market is strong. I mean, I mean the economy is strong. The, the, um, there's demand for labor, and earnings are pretty good. But the, the, the hidden... Um, one of the hidden things, though, do you think the markets in the U.S. particularly are up 12% this year, but it's re- it really is driven by tech. You take the mm-hmm. tech out of it, we're actually in a pretty bad market. So I think it's a toss-up still. I don't mm-hmm. think we're out of, the, out of the woods yet. So, uh, Alex, now that this uh, debt limit drama is all over, mm-hmm. uh, the bill's been signed, does now the focus return to the battle against inflation and what, what the Fed is going to do? Is that going to be the major concern now yeah, of okay. investors? Yeah, of course. I think uh, this is still a very data-dependent market. So uh, we probably would uh, look at the uh, CPI very closely this this uh, uh, in this market. And um, but not, but the sentiment actually is quite bullish. I think uh, on Friday actually what we see is uh, um, the the string is spreading out to the bottom 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 sectors. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing a rotation out of tax and and into those uh, traditional names. So probably the market will remain strong for a while. If wherever we look around the world. It seems that um, inflation has topped out um, hmm. and seems to be on a declining trend, doesn't it? Not just in the US, but, but all the major um, economies. We saw that in the Eurozone data uh, as well. Do you think there's enough now for central banks to sort of declare some sort of victory over inflation and maybe stop with these interest rate uh, hikes? Hopefully, yes, because actually I think uh, we are already seeing peak in the commodities market. And what is supporting uh, the inflation is uh, in the um, wages. Uh, and also, I think uh, there are some structural problems probably in the supply chain. But um, that kind of problem, actually, I think uh, probably would, would, would be solved uh, as time goes on. So I think uh, 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 we probably may see the inflation already close to peaking. And, 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 and probably the, the, the chance of further wake hike actually would not be that. The chance of further big wake hike actually would not be that big. Mm. David, do you think the Fed can you know, claim success here maybe? They, they've brought inflation down or at least stopped it rising anyway without causing a recession. I, I think they're going to start to because it's like, a lot of inflation is psychological. So it's, you know, if you have food prices go up, you keep raising um, your costs and you're, you're, you're anticipating what's going on, you have to maintain um, your cost of living. But I... If they get past the psychological barrier and they start pushing maybe a little bit of unemployment a bit further, I think we'll, we'll settle down and they may actually have a soft landing that we weren't so sure about six months ago. So, so what does the Fed do? They're, they're talking about, 
Well, they're, they're sort of they're, they're being a bit careful with their language, aren't they? They were talking about a pause, but they don't want it to be known as a pause because that gives the the impression that you know we're going to stop raising rates. They want it to be called um, a skip now, so they're going to skip a hike this month. Um, but it looks like they're going to carry on raising rates uh, the, the following month. Is is that um, is that your interpretation as well? It seems that way, but I think they, they want that perception out there, thinking, hey, rates are going up, we have to slow down a bit. And, and again, I think they're feeding the psychological um, aspect of, of inflation. Mm. But, but what's the point of waiting a month? What are they going to know in a month's time that they don't know now? It seems an odd thing to do, doesn't it, to basically signal we're not going to raise rates this month, but we will again next month and, and carry on. Well, I think maybe it gives them the chance to say, we're going to skip this month. Maybe, guess what? Things are not so bad. Let's skip the next month, too. And they can kick, kick the can down the road and just see what figures come out. Well, what, what do you think? Did, did they make a mistake, maybe? Should they not have? Because they, they had all the officials out signaling this pause before they'd seen this jobs data. We've still got another month of inflation data to come yet before the Fed meets again. Did they make a mistake there, maybe, in doing that? They should have waited for this jobs data, which is really pretty strong, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, actually it probably is, it, it seems better that they wait uh, after this drop data because uh, they probably are still quite a data dependent. Yeah. And, and if the CPI surprises, then probably they they w- would be expected to 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 to, to wait uh, further again next month. So anyway, I think uh, this pause actually means uh, very little uh, as uh, they are still quite data dependent. Mm. So where does China fit into this inflation um, sort of picture? Because in in China, we've got slowing growth and and sort of almost a disinflationary trend now, haven't we, going on um, on the mainland? Is is that going to have an impact um, on the US and and everywhere else on on their inflation as well? Because it's been bringing down the prices of commodities, hasn't it, and uh, and other things. Are they going to export um, this deflation elsewhere? I think uh, in the meantime, no, uh, because I think uh, in 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 the well elsewhere actually. Uh, first of all, um, the the inflation is supported by the the tight labor market, which I think uh, is not happening in the in China. Mm. So apart from commodities, actually, I think uh, the the factors supporting inflation actually is not uh, that related to China. Mm-hmm. But, but David, things are not well on the mainland, are they? If you look at um, some of the signals, real estate activities declining, house price growth, uh, house price growth is low, yields have started to fall again, imports are dropping. Um, there, there just doesn't seem to be the demand at the moment. It's all stag- uh, stagnating. Yeah, I think a lot of that again, is some of it's psychological. It's getting out of the the COVID. Um, it just takes a it's, a. it's a very big ship. It has to turn very slowly. But I think that the. Um, the big issue there is the mountain of debt um, in real estate uh, developers, and they have to, it's, I think it's twelve percent of GDP. Mm. So they have to, you know, they have to slowly dig themselves out of that. Um, and then once the property sector starts turning around, people's psychology, you know, they feel more positive about their market. People have so much money tied up in real estate, they don't feel wealthy unless it's going up. Maybe mm. that's part of it. Um, but as China, yeah, you know, if you go, it's booming. You know, you walk around there, it's. They're starting to travel again. They're they're um, they're starting to shop. They're starting to get out. Um, so I, I think it's just little, it just takes a little time to turn around, but it'll happen. We're seeing outflows, aren't we, at the moment? I mean, if you measure the difference between the trade surplus, which is um, at a record high. And, and then uh, FX reserves clearly that that that, that booming trade surplus is, is leaking out of the leaking out of the country. Do you think the authorities are going to be concerned about that? Maybe that's why the yuan's depreciating. 
I think they're always concerned about money leaking out. Um, it's a very tight policy, but at some point, that'll that'll balance out. It's just how it always happens. Now, Alex, what do you make of these new um, property market support measures? China's reportedly working on this new package of measures following its 16-point plan in November, which really didn't work, did it? They're considering mm. reducing the down payments. Uh, in some non-core neighbourhoods of major cities, lowering agent commissions on transactions and further relaxing restrictions for residential purposes. Um, the, the, the property sector is still a big drag on the mainland economy, yep. isn't it? Is this new package of measures, uh, assuming it happens, is it going to work? I don't think so. I think uh, it will not work. I think uh, the demand actually is uh, structurally declining because I think, uh, first of all, young people actually do not seem that seems to, to, to have that kind of urge to, to, to buy a property because actually many Chinese youth feel quite desperate and they, they are not um, getting married and they are not having new children and actually they probably would inherit uh, quite uh, some properties from their parents and their grandparents. Mm-hmm. So that means that the long-term demand actually uh, is declining and I think uh, that actually will still uh, be the problem in China. Uh, the only actually the demand for properties actually uh, is uh, from the expectations of rising prices and actually if that uh, disappear then the demand actually would be very bad because uh, i think in china you don't need that kind, that much property that, that many properties uh, in in a mm-hmm. declining population so that's why the 16-point plan from November hasn't worked either. It hasn't really stimulated demand, does it? I think you need to give hope to people, to, 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 to let them have some hope for, for a sustainable wealth generation, uh, to have a sustainable demand for the property market. And also, I think that need some hope for them to, to get married and, and, and get children. Mm. But, the, but the market likes this, but then I suppose that there hasn't been any property support measure that the market doesn't like, but uh, yep. it, it's, it's loved it on Friday, this report. I think that you cannot judge uh, the performance uh, on one day because the market had been in uh, consistent selling pressure for quite some time. Mm. And actually, Hong Kong is a derivative-driven market, so the short covering strength actually would be much strong, uh, stronger than normal uh, in, than other markets. So I think uh, this is uh, just a uh, very short-term uh, relief uh, rebound and, and probably drift, uh, propelled by uh, short covering, which will not be sustainable. I think uh, this is a good chance to get um, some, some chips out uh, of Hong Kong and China. Okay, I want to talk more about the markets in a moment. David, before that, let, let me ask you about what you think about these reported, because they haven't been confirmed, it, it's sort of reported uh, property support measures, but as we said, the market likes it. But do you think it's going to work? Well, I, I think Alex hit the nail on the head. Um, it, it's... The bigger picture out there, and it's actually a global issue, is the population growth. It's the young generation don't see that the the, um, the same opportunity the previous generations have had, and plus they inherit they inherit property from their current families, and they just aren't going out there and building um, the, the need to have more in homes. And there's a big oversupply in China, and that's going to take a long time to soak up. Mm. And as, as you mentioned earlier, property developer debt, it's about 12% of China's GDP, and quite a lot of that is at risk of defaults. I mean, that's a big overhang as well, isn't it? I think it's massive, and um, it's going to take, you can't just get rid of that overnight. It's going to be a slow, a slow burn to catch up. So, mm. so they overbuilt so fast, and you know, it, it's like 
in the markets, everyone's happy when, when markets are rising exponentially, but they're just as dangerous because when they collapse, they, they, they go fast and they, and they put people in a funk for a very long time. Mm. It, it was interesting last week, China Evergrande Group says it faces more than a thousand lawsuits now um, involving 350 billion yuan. That's about um, just over 49 billion US um, dollars. And they're not the only one. Um, either, but it, it just shows, doesn't it, just how much this presumably it, it affects financial stability on the mainland, doesn't it? Yeah, and there's a thousand. There's probably a thousand more that, are, that that we don't know about, or just seeking to to um, file as well, or that are being heard, or just turned the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably just the tip of the iceberg, but you know, we don't know. It's there's always um, you always throw good money after bad. Well, let's talk about the markets a bit more, Alex. You you started mm-hmm. off. Um, with with on Hong Kong, it is the best day since early March. But it sounds like from what you're saying that this is a good opportunity for people to get out. Was was this a technical sort of rebound? Because if you look at things like the RSI, it dropped below thirty, didn't it? Where which yeah. is a sort of signal um, that things are oversold. Is is that the main reason why we saw this big jump? Yeah, I think uh, we have been in 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 a very bearish mood for quite some time, and the market actually has consistently down. And on Friday, actually, is also propelled by the rebalancing of the XSI because uh, the 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 index one actually has need to uh, pop up the 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 percentage holdings in in tax, so that is supporting ten cent and probably may turn as well. So I think uh, this is just uh, a technical rebound. This is not a uh, reversal. And it's very difficult to have a reversal, I think, uh, in China. So uh, very likely we would uh, continue the bearish trend. I think in Hong Kong, the typical uh, trend would be we would be down slowly. And then we have uh, some very quick rebound for one or two days. And then we start to decline again. So Mm -hmm. I think that probably would uh, persist for quite some time. Are you? Um, I mean, I've, I've seen some analysts at some of the big investment banks um, saying that you know there there are stimulus measures coming, geopolitical ties are improving, so the earnings are not too bad. So that's a reason now to to turn bullish on Chinese stocks. But you you don't sound too convinced by that argument. Yeah, right. Because uh, I think that the the whole big theme for the global market right now is this AI, and so um, AI is sucking up money from investors elsewhere. And then for China, I think that this is very difficult to play that film because uh, for AI companies to get back, actually, I think uh, they need to avoid uh, government uh, rec- regulations, with severe regulation, regulating. Mm-hmm. But in China, I think uh, people are very concerned about government regulation. So it's very difficult to imagine a, a, a Chinese version of Microsoft or Chinese version mm-hmm. of NVIDIA. To come out because first of all, um, they do not have that uh, kind of technology in semiconductors, and then you do you you, you probably have the bigger risk of uh, government regulating. So I think uh, uh, it's very difficult to pop up a AI bubble in China. So uh, if people are very uh, 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 um, are very concerned about that, I think uh, they probably would go elsewhere to to put their money on. So I think uh, this is why China. Consistently underperformed the other markets uh, in 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 May because uh, in May actually people are going crazy for for AI films and mm-hmm. I think uh, this AI film actually would be in the market for quite some time. So China actually would be underperforming. So so in Asia you would go to places like Taiwan, South Korea, Japan. Um, is that sort of sucking money out of China because there you can play um, the AI theme, can't you? 
Yeah, right. I think uh, uh, even Japan actually is, would be benefiting from this. So we are seeing uh, money going for other markets. And if you want to pay China consumer markets, actually you probably you buy LVMH and Hermes. So mm-hmm. I think that's why uh, people are not going towards uh, the China equities because uh, you can pay the China markets uh, using other markets. People call them the passport uh, companies because mm-hmm. you have the passport to go in and go to do to, to, to the business and, and they actually have other the markets to support so you that is less risk, risk, risky than you are paying Chinese companies because Chinese companies only concentrate on their uh, local markets because m- not many Chinese brands actually had the power to go uh, global David do you think this is a turning point for Hong Kong stocks what are your thoughts because it was a dreadful month in May really wasn't it as Alex has just said uh, it, we really underperformed pretty well every other global market I, I think it's I mean it's a positive sentiment in that you know, Hong Kong is very sentiment-driven, so you get some positive news out, it, it goes in trends. Um, I think it typically it's going to follow a lot of what's happening in the States in particular right now as, it, as um, you know, the markets go up. But you know, the, I think there's a big hanging um, – yeah, there's a looming danger out there. There's a big storm coming, I think, with um, – in, in the S&P 500, I think it's the most bearish sentiment since 2007. You take out the tech – um, it's a very bearish market. So, you know, Hong Kong doesn't have that kind of tech. It's financial, real estate. It's a lot of China stocks. So without that driving, uh, that looming danger is happening, and uh, the bears tend to be right, uh, it could get ugly out here. But, but presumably then, if we don't have those types of stocks which are holding up the U.S. markets, um, if, there is a, if there is a collapse, China could outperform, couldn't it? It might, might be the time to actually start looking. Because if you go back to when we were last um, oversold, which was back in uh, back in around about October, um, we then saw what was it, almost a fifty-five percent rebound from those um, from those lows. So you know, maybe we might see it again. You know, you have a good point, and, and you could be right, and that's why I, I, I'm not a pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> I don't guess the markets. I I, I, um, I just offer what's out there, but I, I think you might be right. But Hong Kong. Is still beholden in the, in the demand. I mean, we got hit very badly because of COVID. We were locked down for so long. Hmm. Um, the China stocks, the same thing. Um, you know, obviously, that's what took us. You know, the earnings have been driving Hong Kong um, market and hasn't been strong. I guess it's really going to come down to earnings growth. But if the U.S. takes a big hit and the economy starts going down, then that'll cycle out here as well. Let me, let me ask you a bit about the U.S. markets. The tech-heavy NASDAQ 100 up 33% so far in 2023. The S&P 500 up about 11.5% year to date, but it is at a 10-month high. But these five stocks, Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, NVIDIA, they account for 25% now of the S&P 500's value. That, that's got to be a concern, hasn't it, when now the whole market is so dependent upon just um, five stocks and you're, and you're almost worried, well, what happens if those five stocks uh, start to decline? Yeah, I think, I think it's a very big concern. Um, you know, knowing what happens in the States will just rejigger the index to, to put in whoever <laughs> heavy at the time because if you look at the, the composition of the Dow over the years, it's completely changed from industrial to tech. Um, but yeah, those yeah, and Nvidia. I mean, the, the valuation has is you know it's a trillion dollars. It's out of first, nowhere. First chip chip company worth a trillion dollars, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so I, I you know without looking at the numbers underneath that, for my first reaction is that's crazy. Mm. But the the demand is is going to be 
while. They have a do- they're dominant in the market right now, so who knows? Um, but those companies are dominant in AI. They're going to continue. The, uh, they're going to keep driving the um, the market share. But I think they'll spin off a lot of other companies and the opportunity around it. And um, we're actually entering a new phase where where is AI, this AI is going to take us? Is it going to create jobs? Is it going to take jobs? Uh, what, what, what do you do? Because obviously you're, you're head of a big financial firm out here. Is AI very much on your agenda? Is it something that you're thinking about in terms of either the risks of it or the opportunities? You know, how, how could it sort of transform the brokerage industry, the financial industry? Is it something that you're thinking about a lot? Absolutely. I mean, and the first, the, the, the lowest hanging fruit is, is the basic um, client services. The, the clients come in, they... Right now, people want to speak to a person or they go to a bot. And the bots online are so-so right now. I mean, I'm sure we've all been um, – we've all probably had to go to a, customer, a service site. You ask a question, and it drives you crazy when the bot doesn't answer the question. You come, come – I want to talk to a person. It doesn't come back with a proper answer. But as the intelligence picks up and you're talking to someone who seems like a human and you're getting proper answers that are accurate, it's going to transform the service industry. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, it's going to – this is something I, I thought about actually years ago. If everybody's following the same bot, so they have AI out there and all predicting the same thing, which is inevitable, does that mean everyone's buying the same stock? Mm. Are we all this buying the same clothes? Mm. I don't know. Mm. So Interesting. I, I, I don't know where that's going to lead, but at some point there has to be two sides of a market. Mm. But it is something very much that's on the agenda of you and other financial firms. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's going to increase volatility or because of one-directional flow. Or as a way of tempering volatility because everyone thinks, well, the market's going to be here. This is where it should be. Let's all get to that level. Alex, let me get your thoughts on the U.S. markets. If you look at the S&P 500 Equal Weighted Index, Mm -hmm. which gives an equal value to every stock, um, it's actually down 0.35% since January. So are you worried now about um, the the, the concentration in the U.S. markets in just a small number of names? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, uh, the strategy is to rotate out of uh, tax. Actually, this is time to reduce some uh, uh, weights on the tax sectors. And I think uh, uh, people actually are spreading out to other sectors, like uh, financial and and um, consumer uh, stables right now. So I think uh, the strategy is to um, hope the market actually would... Uh, Will take take some chips out of the 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 the, the tech sector and going mm-hmm. into other sectors. Right now, I think uh, this is the strategy to play the market. I think um, we are seeing that on Friday already, and that that's that probably puts us a stock. So we probably may see the market um, to hold uh, relatively strong, and then uh, we are seeing strength in other sectors other than tech. Uh, to 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 sustain the the the, the current level, so I think uh, sector rotation probably would be the theme, but uh, the overall overall risk actually is higher right now because uh, probably um, as time goes on the recession um, fear would play out and we probably may see a correction coming. So um, um, the strategy is to 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 to, to reduce the um, uh, the high value highly value tech and going into those uh, under pressure uh, traditional companies right now. Do you worry also now that this debt ceiling crisis is over, the Treasury, it's got to go on a massive borrowing spree, hasn't it? Some estimates say maybe it needs to raise a trillion dollars by the end of the third mm-hmm. quarter. That's going to drain a lot of liquidity out of the economy, isn't it? Is that, that, is that a worry? 
Uh, right now, uh, not much uh, because the market actually quite resilient, and 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 you are not seeing uh, a uh, sharp fall in treasury prices. Or, uh, they they are st- they stabilized, so I think the market expectations actually is, is okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the point is that uh, you probably just buy some gold for insurance. Uh, on the current current level, so uh, that is uh, the strategy to 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 pay and and hedge that risk. But I think uh, the the overall market performance uh, means uh, the market actually do not care too much about that kind of uh, fundraising by the uh, U.S. government because we have seen that uh, before. So I think uh, people are not too worried about that. When, when we've seen this before, um, David, in in the past, when you see this type of um, liquidity drain, it almost always leads to uh, a decline in in stocks, uh, sort of overall. Um, there was one measure that says, with the Fed tightening, um, liquidity is going down at an annual rate of about six percent, and that was in contrast to growth in liquidity for most of the last decade. So, is is it a risk we should be worried about? I don't know if it's a risk because it's out there. Um, you know, markets go up, markets go down. I think it's healthy. It all balances out. Um, they do have to raise money. Everyone knows it. Um, so I, I think we're okay on that front. I think the bigger concern is what's looming at two years ahead from now. And this constant cycle of uh, is politics overdoing, you know, posturing in politics over what's happening in the real, what you need to do, the right mm-hmm. thing. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that Fitch have said they're not going to uh, reduce the negative watch on um, on America's credit rating because of exactly what you said. This could all happen again in a couple of years' time. Yeah, I think it's a bold move, and I think it's the right move. I mean, you just went through – I mean, it would have been a disaster if, if the U.S. defaults on its debt. Everyone knows that, but you still have politicians out there saying, I don't care. Mm. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to spend here. I don't want to spend there. And, and instead of – really getting together so hopefully we move towards more bipartisan world but i'm afraid we're not well while we're talking about risks let me ask you about a bloomberg survey of 53 economists money managers and strategists at financial institutions they range from sovereign wealth funds to banks and pensions and they've been asked what they see as their main concerns their main risk well the number one risk on their radar screen is China local government financing vehicles, LGFVs. That's most cited as the top risk in this survey. That's followed by mortgage-backed bonds and loans. Number three is frontier market sovereign debt loans. The fourth risk is South Korea project finance stress. And then finally, um, Japanese banks. So let me ask you about these local government financing vehicles um, in China. China, um, Goldman Sachs estimates China's total government debt is about $23 trillion dollars. Uh, the total debt of these LGFEs is estimated at about six and a half trillion dollars. So, do you concur with uh, with uh, with those concerns that this is something now that we ought to be looking at? Well, I think, uh, of course, uh, that is uh, a risk because um, with a bad property market, actually, that they were very difficult for those local companies to to raise funds, mm-hmm. and that's why I think uh, uh, China is um, promoting um, those SOEs this year. Because they probably uh, would need to sell other kind of assets other than properties to try to raise funds for for the government. But uh, the the good thing is in China is that China is a country with, with a very huge domestic savings, mm-hmm. and also the national government debt level is that, that that concern. So we are talking about the local government level only. So uh, uh, if they can promote uh, the local people to 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 try to switch some of the savings out uh, to investment. Uh, into those SOEs. Actually, that would probably help to reduce the problem. 
I suppose it, it has a knock-on effect on the economy, doesn't it? Because these uh, local governments, municipal governments, they can't raise new money at the moment, so it's difficult for them to do so, um, which in turn means they, they can't support um, their, their local economies at the moment. So it's sort of having, a, even, even if you don't think it's going to be a turn into a crisis, it's, it's certainly having an economic impact, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Uh, that's why China actually has, has all kinds of problems uh, in the meantime. Mm. I think uh, that's why they, they, they try to repackage the businesses uh, holding by the governments uh, into, into some kind of um, listed companies and try to raise funds from the, uh, in, the, in the stock markets. I think that's the, the, the plan to, 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 to get out of this problem. Because if you cannot sell land, probably you can sell, sell business involving uh, bridges and, and all kind of other kinds of infrastructures. So I think uh, that's why they, they are promoting the, 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 the SOE, because the valuation is so low, so the, the, the efficiency of that kind of fundraising actually is quite low. But if they can uh, get a higher valuation, I think uh, they probably would, would, like, would be likely to, to promote. And you can see uh, they are doing this kind of, uh, this kind of um, assets into the form of REITs. So probably we are seeing uh, that kind of uh, WITs to come out more in China markets. David, what's your thoughts on this? Is it a, is it a concern on your radar? Well, it's definitely a concern. I, mean, I think the property market in China is going to guide so much, and how they, if they can work out of it smoothly and softly, it's going to make a big, big difference sentiment-wise, um, obviously monetary-wise. Um, but you know, as Alex said, there's, there's a great amount of savings in China, and I think they'll find ways to dig that up and hopefully get that invested. Mm. I mean, this is, um, there's also all the hidden borrowing as well that we don't know about that's on top of this. All these uh, uh, financing companies have been set up by the provinces and the cities. There's a lot more there than we know about, isn't there? Yeah, it is. That's always the, the devil that you don't know. Um, it, it, I'm sorry, the devil you know, but this is what we don't know. And um, let's see what pops up. But when, when, if things are getting shaky, that, that stuff tends to filter itself out. It, it corrects itself. And then um, sometimes that you know, a little correction is not bad for the world, bad, bad for the market. It, it, it um, helps pick things up. You build from the bottom and start again. But do any of those other worries that were on the list, mortgage-backed bonds and loans, frontier markets, uh, Japanese banks, are any of those a worry for you? Or is there something that you're concerned about that, that isn't on that list? Um, I think they're all hidden. I think the biggest worry is, is, is political tensions. Um, you know... We were. It's you have all the the business uh, businessmen, um, Elon Musk. You have Jamie Dimon coming into China, but the military still won't speak. Um, we got to get that. That's that's that has to be cleaned up in some shape or form. And hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, military conflict isn't the way out of some bad markets. What's interesting is that China's welcoming those business leaders with open arms. I mean, you know, Elon Musk got to see some of the top ministers, so did Jamie Diamond. But at the government level, they just don't seem to be speaking. It's amazing. They're doing their best to, hey, we're opening up, we're bringing in securities companies, we're going to increase the flow of capital and investment. But then when you get to the top levels, it's just a brick wall. Mm. Alex, any, anything on that list that particularly worries you or anything that's not on the list that, uh, that, that worries you as a, as a risk that we should be watching out for? I think uh, the, the talk on uh, the commercial real estate market in the U.S. actually is not on that list, but I think that is a real risk. 
because uh, I think uh, for commercial real estate, uh, the, the long-term demand is diminishing, mm-hmm. and the value actually is quite high. So I think uh, that kind of problem actually may, may also lie in the um, uh, regional banks as well. So that's, that's uh, I think, uh, is another risk that is not mentioned in the list. And that's presumably because um, firms don't need big offices in downtown locations anymore, do they? The, the work ethic has, has changed. And also, I think uh, the problem is uh, SMEs actually is, uh, is is losing in the war in the commercial world. Uh, they are difficult, more difficult to get financing, and because of the regional bank crisis. And also, uh, actually, uh, if you are talking about the big AI uh, era, then probably SMEs are will, will be losers because they they probably have do not have the kind of resources to get into the AI war. So I think uh, that also will reduce the demand as well. So um, so that's why I think the commercial real estate actually would be the problem in the long term. So we had these worries about banks sitting on US government bonds and their unrealized losses. Their unrealized losses on mortgage-backed bonds could be huge, couldn't they, if, uh, if we start to see a protracted decline in commercial real estate? Yeah, that's 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 why uh, this is a, a problem to con- uh, of concern. So, uh, so if we see young, um, that kind of um, decline uh, in the commercial real estate, actually, that would spread out in the other sectors. Well, thank you both very much. Great insights this morning. Really appreciate you uh, you both coming in. You heard there Alex Wong, who is director of Alex K Y Wong Asset Management. David Friedland, who's managing director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. <laughs> And thank you for listening to Money Talk this morning. You can find more details about some of the topics I've been talking about today, along with information on other headlines and market moves on my daily newsletter. Take a look at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll be back with another show tomorrow. Joining me then will be Asian fund management industry consultant Stuart Aldcroft, Nick Marrow, lead for global trade at the Economist Intelligence Unit, and our US economics correspondent, writer and broadcaster Barry Wood. Bye for now. Money Talk 